power in the verse can stop me. I'm joined today by Dr. John returning to the podcast as well as the podcast is returning to you for the first time since like June. I'm pretty sure the last episode was like June, which is absolute madness. Anyway, Dr. John, welcome back. Um, thanks for having me. Um, we're talking about how social media affects your psyche today because obviously we all use social media and this show would not exist without social media and none of you would be able to contact me if not for social media. So it's um, actually pretty crazy that we've never gotten to this topic before. Uh, a quick just heads up at the start. Uh, I've moved house since the last episode and so has John. <laughs> and neither of us appeared to have a wealth of furniture in the respective rooms that we are in so there's an echo for both of us but at least it's consistent in fact the fact that there's an echo for two people actually means i might be able to tidy it up for two people so we'll see if that actually works um probably won't i'm not very handy with audio editing but uh either way you know there's a little bit of an echo you're gonna have to deal with it um, but the good thing about like the echo is that all the good things we say they'll hear twice. So. Exactly, it reinforces <laughs> it. It's this idea of reinforcement, and that's what we want. Yeah, our listeners. yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So there you are. Um, I guess a good place to start would be the good things about social media, right? Because when I read the uh, topic for this episode, I say as if I was unaware that of the contents <laughs> of the episode. Um, I thought to myself. Wow, going to be a lot of negative stuff there to be covered. Um, and that's interesting because it's purely just how social media affects us. And yeah. I can think of a wealth of positive reasons and ways in which it does. So um, yeah. I guess to start it, off, uh, sorry, you go ahead. So I was just going to say that it's kind of interesting from a meta-analytic point of view that like, while talking about social media, which is the primary source of news, our preponderance with news is usually on the negative things as well. So it's kind of fitting that when we're talking about social media in itself, that we think about the negative things. Yeah. As yeah. well as we focus on the negative things within social media as news. <laughs> yeah, there's actually, I, I think I will say something about that later on. Um, I, I feel like our timelines get bombarded with news. And even though the news, the news is kind of overwhelmingly negative from a, a sales point of view anyway. The world is actually getting better in a lot of ways that are never really reported. Big um, time. Yeah, and it's just interesting how, like, I, I don't know, I, I feel like there's kind of a shift towards um, global or even existential anxiety because of this bombardment of negative news that someone gets on their timeline every day where typically this would have been a safe space like seven years ago or so. so I don't don't mean to use the term safe space because they're being hijacked, <laughs> but I mean, you know, you used to go on your timeline and it was like, oh, your auntie has uploaded pictures of some cats. That's yeah, yeah. nice, isn't it? And now it's like... <laughs> now it's your auntie like, has killed some cats. Yeah. <laughs> Not again, Betty. Not again. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> yeah, very um, interesting. I think it sort of stems from this sort of... so. There's this concept in social psychology, and I know social psychology has like a ton of problems, but there's this uh, phenomenon called the just world hypothesis, which is kind of like we assume things to be good as kind of a given. And we assume that good things happen to good people, bad things happen to bad people. 
so that if you just hear in the news that something happened to this person, we always assume the worst and stuff like that. And we almost assume that the baseline in terms of events is sort of good. And any deviation from that is kind of what's important, because if good is a given, then we just need to know the bad. And that's what we have to kind of rectify and, and to fix. So I think that's why we almost have a uh, fixation on bad things, because that kind of diverts our attention in ways that need to be addressed, as opposed to the good things which we take for granted. Like, what's the point in fixing something something that is the status quo? It's already the status quo. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's or interesting. Or assume it is. That's sort of like um, that's sort of like a, a a more meta analysis of the left's view of um, well, our society is just the way everything is. We should welcome a more multicultural one because it's better than the one that mm-hmm. we have. It's it's like a, you're constantly mm-hmm. looking from inside the sphere instead of outside. If, mm-hmm. if yeah, uh, yeah, you know what I mean. Um, but yeah. yeah, I guess the the main benefit of social media it goes without saying. Uh, it's that it, it it connects all of us and. Um, uh, just on a, a really basic and personal level, um, I've lived in about 18 different houses in my life in loads of different places in different countries. And uh, with the touch of a button, I can communicate with all of these people from, from all over the world where I used to have to, you know, speak to my aunt who lives in Boston like once a year on a on a phone that racked up a bill of hundreds of pounds and yeah. now that's a thing I can do easily over Skype um, or f- like even messaging on Facebook. I mean, I don't know. I'm very bad at keeping in touch with my relatives, so I've never actually done this. But I'm sure that if I were to do it, uh, the the means <laughs> the means in which I could do it are, are very readily available to me. And that is a really cool thing. And it's really unprecedented. Like there has been nothing like this in the history of the world. And that's pretty yeah. unreal to, to, to fathom. Yeah, big time. And just to put it in context, like I remember talking to my grandparents and they were saying that they were going out on dates at the beginning. They would have like, okay, at half two, I'll meet you at, say, the equivalent of the Spire in Dublin or some kind of big monumental landmark. It's like kind of, you wouldn't contact them like an hour before nearly to even see if they're going to be there because they're already on their way and there's no kind of method of communication en route. So like it's, it's just completely revolutionized in an amazing way where you can literally, okay, something happened at the last minute to save that person went around in the rain or whatever. I can actually just text them. They know exactly what's happening. They can go make other plans, other arrangements. It's uh, like it's, it's it's literally second to second updating as opposed to day to day. And if you go further back or even around the same time where letters or postcards would have been an important method of communication, like think about all the parties that were uh, responsible in that series of events, like from the person writing the letter to putting it in the post box, to the postman collecting it from the post box, to the postman then delivering it to the person and that person getting it then and being able to open it. You know what I mean? Their mail wasn't intercepted or whatever, or went missing. Like there's just so much room for error. And now I can literally text someone. And in two seconds, not only will I know that it delivered, I can actually tell that they read the message, which is just incredible. It's insane to me because I've worked for pretty much all my last jobs have been with major uh, financial corporations who uh, send mail, uh, like physical letters on a a wide scale level every day, like hundreds and hundreds of letters. And from doing that, I know for a fact that a lot of these letters go missing and they don't reach their destination because the postal service is not all that reliable. And it's crazy to me to think that at some point this is a vital form of communication. There must have been friendships ended over poor... Over, over, oh, like, yeah. neglectful... Uh... People killed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, seriously, it's insane. Like, my last birthday card from my dad went missing, like, you know what I mean? I never got that card. 
it's just like in this day and age it's just insane that like you can send an email to a thousand people and each of them will get it like without any difficulty but you try and send one card or one letter and it's not a given that they'll get it yeah it's 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 no surprise that social media and sort of social network has exploded the way it has you know what i mean it's really funny that even in this technological climate I still tell people, no, I didn't get that message when that is literally an impossible thing. Yeah, just, yeah, yeah. I don't want to reply to you, so... No, I didn't get that message at all. Yeah, I don't yeah. know what those blue tips and... are about, because I never saw that. <laughs> yeah, and then, like, just the variety of platforms in which you can communicate with someone from a millisecond to millisecond uh, basis, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, uh, between Twitter, Facebook, WhatsApp, Snapchat, um, like, Gmail... Like all these days, like things like Skype, like there's just so many ways. And I think the fact that all those are so lucrative and so ubiquitous just goes to show not only how what people's interest is in them, but how uh, much money you can make if you uh, develop one that people enjoy and like to use. Yeah, definitely. Another positive impact that social media has had on the world is the new wave of entertainment and the way that people consume entertainment and sort of the way that the entertainment industry um these the the sort of old guard industry is almost on its knees at the hands of these Mm. you know just independent personalities who are doing all sorts of things and accumulating like billions of views and clicks and and um ad revenue money and everything like that and it's just another way that social media has really changed the landscape of communication. Um, yeah. Like, when I was younger, and when you were younger too, we had four TV channels, pretty much. Um, yeah, for yeah. Like a, I, I think it was like 2001 that Sky became a sort of a, a staple thing in the Irish household. But like before then... You're pretty yeah. much looking at, you know, four channels and, and that was that. And one of them was like in Irish. Yeah, so basically three channels. Yeah. Um, having said that, yeah. I'm actually young enough to remember, or sorry, old enough to remember when TV3 was invented. So actually, basically yeah. only two channels. Um, <laughs> RTE1 and RTE2, both channels were yeah. the same company, although it was called Network 2 at the time, but they weren't fooling anyone with that programming schedule. Um, <laughs> But, but it was yeah. interesting because I, I, I'm, I think we've actually become more dissatisfied with television as we've had more variety of channels to watch. Um, Do you I know what I mean? Yeah, I, I think, like, so for the majority, I think that's true. But I think that there's a minority out there who were never going to get their kicks from shows like Friends or, um, to go back even further, the likes of Chips or Mash, which conveniently combine <laughs> to make a meal. Um, a great deal, yeah. <laughs> but, um... So if you were like a nerdy kid who liked dragons and swords and skeletons and stuff like that, there's nothing for you on TV, really. Um, So you had to go to like comic conventions and and sort of um, experience what I assume was some form of being ostracized from social groups in school and things like that. (laughs) But now because you pick and choose the entertainment you consume, there's something for everybody. And there's all these new sorts of, of bubbles and social groups emerging that communicate with each other about the you know the the as weird and out there things that they like yeah yeah and that's really cool like I def- so i definitely think youtube has capitalized that in, in a huge way like i think with tv and stuff you're always limited in some way as to the variety of shows you can uh, watch but i just think youtube just blew open the door and just allowed people basically free reign over what they looked at and 
You know, I mean, obviously with illegal uploads and stuff uh, before they're taken down, people can obviously watch them. And then like just the variety of stuff on there just like smashes the variety you can get in any television or anything like that. Yeah, my um, my main thing at the moment is, is Netflix. And that's sort of where I get most of my TV shows from. Um, yeah, yeah. Although my review of 13 Reasons Why on my YouTube channel was wildly successful. Um, mm. The final episode got taken down and my channel received a copyright strike so uh, no way that's annoying yeah i i used the trailer in it i was getting really bold and and uh adventurous so i was like yeah i'll put a clip from the trailer in just to contextualize the thing that i'm talking about here and yeah uh, yeah some some software company crawls along um the the algorithm and and finds or whatever it is that they they go through the the software and they find the content that you used and they mistook it for me actually uploading the episode and they took it down but the uh episode one is still there and that's my most watched video of all time so there you go there is that that digital copyright act i think that's the act in america isn't it the dca yeah yeah, it's one that that, um, that's like experts in that industry refer to that act as a load of bollocks um i think yeah i have to agree yeah, it's, yeah, it's, complete. it's just ridiculous. It is, yeah, it's it's absolute nonsense. It, it's that they now have more control than they've ever had before. Um, and instead of this actually uh, benefiting the artist, it benefits the record label or the production company. Um, or YouTube. Or YouTube, yeah. Well, I don't think, yeah. I think YouTube benefits from it in a, they get the money from the, um, the ad space that's being sold, but they don't get anything from the actual production itself. So it, for YouTube, it makes no odds what it is that's being uploaded. Um, it's, mm. it's companies who claim rights to things that they don't have. And there are so many bugs and flaws in this act that I could tell you about just from uploading um, copyright-sensitive uh, material myself on this podcast. I've received claims for <laughs> things that have absolutely nothing to do with the source. Like, um, yeah. do you remember that Halloween? or We did some episode, um, I think it was actually the Fermi Paradox episode, where I played a clip of a, a, oh, yeah. oh, sort yeah. of a call-in show with a really, really scary clip. Um, and that received the copyright strike from some band who've used that clip in their song. And they do not own the rights to that clip. They didn't purchase yeah. the rights for it for their song. So it makes no sense that they're allowed to claim my revenue from it. You know? But that's the problem, see, with the Millennial Copyright Act or Millennium Copyright Act, it doesn't matter who makes the claim, and that's why it's so ridiculous. Like, mm. I could make a claim on somebody using a Disney clip, and I could put in the details and be like, oh, no, you're not allowed to use this, and that person could get a copyright strike on it. You know what I mean? It completely, like, uh, slashes the creator at mm. the hands of nearly anybody. Yeah, it's the whole idea of fair use pol- policy has sort of become muddied and um no one's really yeah yeah anymore i do support the right though for the actual owner of the of the copyright to refuse um sure yeah like because if i created something and people were just uploading it i think that i would i know that when it comes to video games and people putting video games on youtube there's an unwritten rule that you're allowed to put up whatever you want and games companies for the most part go and abide with that because it's win-win for them, like, you know what I mean? It's yeah, free advertising. I, I suppose so, but then there are companies who refuse uh, to let people do it because they don't want the game to be spoiled, and that's totally understandable, too. Like, Rockstar used to notoriously refuse 
anything. If you uploaded any content from GTA 4 or what was that other game they did? They they made like a mafia game. Um, like a, yeah, yeah. A crime. Uh, what was it? A noir. Something noir. Crime noir. Something like that. L.A. Noir. Yeah. What it's called? Anyway. L.A. Noir, I think it was. Yeah. That game. They did not let anybody upload content from that game. They only let one person do it on the entire um, network of YouTube. Um, and anyone else who uploaded it received the copyright strike. So um, I don't know, but yeah, I guess it's uh, it, it, it's it's definitely like a sketchy system and not a not an absolute or definite uh, resolution to the issue that we're talking about. But either way, the way that social media has captivated people in terms of entertainment is pretty damn ridiculous. Like there was just. Yeah, I, I hate saying stuff like "oh, we only had four TV channels," but I'm not saying it in a complaining way. I'm just saying it in a, like for comparison. Yeah, like for the people listening to this, like you guys probably have no idea how boring it was when we were younger, like to do certain. Yeah, things. Like, yeah. Like video games were always like the great escape and and like the ultimate sort of um, revolution in. Um, like experiencing alternative media and just things that were more relevant to you and, and what you were thinking at the time. Um, exactly. Yeah, like if it wasn't for Final Fantasy VIII or Metal Gear Solid Two or video games like that, I don't know what my grasp on movies and, and culture and stuff would be like now. In, like, I don't yeah. know what my interests would be, you know what I mean? Like, I just don't think I'd have the same appetite for... Uh, finding really specific topics and themes in movies and things like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 big time. Like, uh, when you think about it, for people under the age of 18, like they don't even have the sort of um, uncurtailed use of the cinema and stuff to experience that sort of entertainment, you know what I mean? Yeah. Or, like, before there was internet, obviously there was nothing like that. And then, like, the gaming industry really was, back when we were young, like, the only avenue by which we could kind of explore these kind of really uh, often dark or adult themes um, in a way where we could literally interact with it on a one-to-one -one basis and play at our own pace and that sort of thing. Like, I really do think it was a great way of, yeah, of just interacting with subject matter that we would never really have experienced in a sort of um, organized way. Yeah. Um, and what I loved about it was the fact that it, it was just such a great talking point with friends and stuff as well. You know what I mean? You both play the same game, obviously finish it at different paces and stuff. But it's, it, there was something unifying in that as well, though, you know what I mean? The fact that you're both doing it together, but alone, and that sort of thing, which I just, I don't know, I, I sort of miss, like, now, you know? Yeah, same. I, I guess there's a comparison to be made with if I were watching Stranger Things on Netflix and you were watching it too, but because it, the whole thing is there, we get to consume it at different paces. And, me saying and it's a far more passive uh, in, in, interaction. It's not as if, kind of, you're... Uh, working through somebody in order to finish something, you're, you're passively watching a story unfold, yeah. which is only kind of parts of video games or passive, you know, I mean, so much sort of active role play. Yeah, yeah. I, I've heard as well that binge watching TV shows actually makes you remember less of the plot. Um, which Yeah, I, I can definitely imagine that's true. Yeah, it makes perfect sense to me. I, I, I sort of, I fear that the model of here's all the episodes go watch the thing i fear it will actually lead to a decline in quality overall because audience satisfaction will peak over things that someone watching it on a week-to-week -week basis would be like what and then yeah, yeah another yeah. filler episode how many times can yeah, can yeah. rick farm when there are zombies outside <laughs> you know what i mean like, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I hate The Walking uh, Dead, but I watch every episode of it because I hate myself. Um, <laughs> so, with the good stuff out of the way, will we... And it's funny how when we were talking about the good, we actually got kind of pulled down by some of the bad stuff as well. It was almost as if we couldn't just focus on the good, which I thought was kind of interesting. Yeah, is it just a thing about us that we just feel the need to talk about the bad stuff, or what? <laughs> These are the questions we'll never answer. Yeah, exactly. So if you're hoping for an answer <laughs> to that in this episode, you need to log off. Um, <laughs> Tune into the next one where we may or may not. Um. Yeah. So I guess the best place to start, um, the, the most sort of uh, palpable and, un and relatable um, aspect of social media uh, in, a, in a negative context would be the effect that it would have on your mental health um, because I, mm. I, I've read just a, a lot of really basic studies that say things like Facebook makes you sad because while you grind day to day like you, you go out in your job where you're wearing like 12 euro an hour and you um, get 20 days holidays and life sucks and you look at Facebook photos of your friends and they're in Egypt mm. Or they're drinking champagne yeah. by a lake in Bali, and you're like, why do they get to do that while I have to yeah, work yeah. all the time? And it's yeah. it's a sort of a cognitive um, bias in your head where you think um, this is all I do is is grind and slave away, and all exactly. they do is party and chill. And you don't understand that they are just uploading the good parts of their lives, and that. Facebook is basically like a lifestyle porn advert for themselves if they exactly are, yeah you know a cast member of Entourage or something like that. Um, it's but, essentially a filter where people kind of remove the bad parts of their life and kind of shine a spotlight on the good parts, and then the only people who are uploading anything at all are the people who have good things to kind of broadcast. So it basically, just becomes kind of a Shangri-La of like the best parts of certain individuals' lives at any one point, and it just basically. Uh, yeah, it's, it's just mad. Like, it's just not representative of the real world for the majority of people, yet we're kind of drawn to it again and again. Yeah, and everyone is guilty of this, too. Um, my Facebook account is almost empty, but, I mean, just look at my Instagram account for an example <laughs> of someone who presents himself as a guy who, who lives it up um, because my Instagram account makes me seem like a goddamn American hero. Um, yeah, Dan Bilzerian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I am constantly having heart attacks because of my drug abuse. It's uh, it's really something. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's the most like that's the most easy to talk about way that social media has an effect on your mental health that I think everyone can relate to in some way. Like I know that I've definitely, definitely experienced this. Um, yeah. I've definitely sort of looked at my friends accounts and thought like these guys have some sort of hack that they're doing in life where they're getting more holidays than me or more money than me and like you don't realize that people are just saving everything for these particular photos exactly like, these yeah, photos yeah. are the culmination of their hard work and they're in, they're slaving away and they're grinding and stuff like that and that isn't broadcasted exactly you know yeah. it's yeah, it's literally like it's only one side of the coin that you're getting to see. And it's uh, like it's it, it, it's no surprise at all that it's, it's bad for your mental health. And as well as that, when you think about the fact that there's absolutely no physical activity aspect of social media, really, apart from like your thumb or thumbs moving in order to, talk, uh, to text. But mm. it's all mental. And as such, like it's going to be your mind that's affected. You know what I mean? 
it's interesting to me that if you were to look at my Twitter feed and just read my tweets, you would probably get the image of a man who is not very happy. Um, and mm. I think that Twitter has actually become the medium through which people express their existential like fears and dread and the things in life that they're unhappy about <laughs> in 140 mm. characters or less. And Facebook is the place. Well, now it's different, isn't it? Yeah, for some accounts, yeah, 280 okay, characters, okay. Um, which is just ridiculous. But um, <laughs> if, if you combine my Instagram and my Twitter account, I think you basically get the embodiment of a working class person. <laughs> it's just, I hate my life, I hate my life, I hate my life. Holiday, everything is great, I love everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and it, it it's just really hard to sort of pin that down, and you can feel very alone in that in that time if you're looking at other people living it up while you're just you know doing your shit job that you hate for people yeah that yeah hate. so um, completely yeah that's the that's the most sort of noticeable thing um, that I noticed about it. I've I've read though that it just makes you feel sad. I actually read that. Um, Twitter and Facebook are predominantly blue, uh, like their logos are blue, obviously the Skype logo is blue and things like that, but on Facebook, just the border being blue and the some of the lines down the side being blue, there's something about the color blue where it actually slowly um, kills off the, um, what's the thing that's not serotonin, uh, melatonin, it kills off the melatonin in your brain. Um, like on like a daily basis, if you look at a glowing screen of blue, that is the one color okay. that your that melatonin actually reacts negatively to. So by constantly surfing um, social media websites, you're actually making it harder for yourself to sleep. Um, Interesting. Yeah, I, I, I I'm I'm not a hundred percent on the science of that because I don't really understand. I guess I, I like from what I think, melatonin is sort of like the sleep version of serotonin. I don't know how true that is. That's my basic grasp of it. Um, but I, I downloaded this app called Flux or Flukes. It's F dot L U X. I've spoke about it on the podcast before, um, and it basically turns your screen orange in accordance with the hours of daylight outside. So, um, oh, cool. It, it it syncs up with your region, and when the sun goes down for you, the sun goes down with Flux, and the screen gets more and more orange. And if you just look at it um, passively without having been on your actual computer, you'll be like, "Whoa, that's really orange." But as you are looking at it it doesn't seem like it's orange to you yeah yeah it's it, gradual like yeah yeah exactly and and that is to uh, sort of ease your brain into the um the glowing orb of brain changing colors that you're looking at <laughs> on the screen and it helps you get a better night's sleep allegedly I, I i can't say i've noticed the difference but i definitely feel um it's I, I suffer from migraines, and I think that since I've gotten flux, I've definitely gotten less migraines, uh, and I've definitely just felt less of that sort of pressure in my eyes. So That's so interesting. Yeah, it's pretty crazy, but that's one thing that I read about how social media can actually affect you on like a, a sort of... Physiological? A, yeah, like just the actual hardware of it, like just the way that it yeah. looks and, and the way that it interacts with you yourself. Like uh, that's That's sort of insane. So yeah, you talked a bit there um, about melatonin, which is kind of like the sleep-inducing hormone in the body. Mm. I think another thing like that's really important to talk about when you're uh, discussing social media is kind of the reward pathway of the brain. Oh, yes. like the, re the reward pathway of the brain is super important for um, basically encouraging behaviors. 
So it's not as if it just feels good and then it's done. It actually kind of uh, rewires circuits so that certain behaviors are more likely to be done in the, feud, in the future in accordance with what was uh, rewarding. Um, I think like the, the main area of the brain associated with that is like the nucleus accumbens and like just things are rewarding. And I'm sure if you did studies where you gave people Facebook notifications versus other people no notifications and then had them in an MRI machine or some sort of brain scan, you'd see that like the reward pathway is opening up and people kind of are aware that other people are trying to contact them or interact with them. We, we find that rewarding. You know what I mean? We are social creatures. And, yeah, and they've, again, they've done this with, um, with gambling, the slot machines that they have in casinos. And they found out that basically when that jackpot hits and those coins start bouncing off the bottom of the machine because someone won, it's not actually the money that they're reacting to. It's the sounds and the bells and the, the thing that the machine says exactly yeah it's nothing to do with the money and that's why gambling addiction is so devastating is because yeah it doesn't matter how much money they win because it's all going back to the bookie anyway because that's the addictive part of it and that's the reward center in the brain telling them that that's what they need more of yeah no totally and as well as that like you know the arm of the slot machine that you pull down as well Mm mm-hmm like that sound, as well as the sound of the, uh, so you know the three things you line up, like they flicker between loads of different options. Like even those those things become rewarding because when you do win some money, you basically associate that money with the things that just uh, directly preceded it. Yeah. And it was those sounds. You're like, oh my God, these are the sounds that basically lead to me winning where 99% of the time they don't, but we still focus on the one time they do because that was when we get the money. So yeah. the reward is there. And then we try and associate that with something that we can kind of predict the reward with. It's just, yeah. And they've known that for so long, like, you know, casinos and the people that run them are so smart and, and they probably understand like reward pathways better than most neuroscientists. You know what I mean? Like the same way that, people who ran tobacco companies understood marketing better than anyone else back in the day. And like now there's been a huge kind of curtailment on how you can advertise in the smoking industry. But like back in the, from the thirties, forties, fifties, et cetera, like, you know what I mean? They really, really knew what they were doing. Um, my mom went to uh, Hawaii um, mm-hmm. uh, earlier on this year and she went to see Pearl Harbor while she was there, and she bought me a newspaper that was printed on the day after Pearl Harbor. Um, so this is like a, a full-sized official like replica of, of the newspaper. I forget oh, wow. what, what brand it's from or like what paper, I mean. Um, mm. But it's, it's the full print, everything, the sports from that day, the adverts, everything. That's um, amazing. And aside from being riddled with uh, grammatical errors, there are <laughs> numerous adverts for cigarettes in it. Yeah. And they're fucking insane. Yeah. I, I think one of them is for Lambert and Butler or something like that. Or, or is it, no, sorry, it's a Philip Morris company, um, which mm-hmm. I, I think they, they own Marlboro and a number of other uh, of other cigarette companies. And famously, they now own food companies, which go figure. Um, yeah, yeah. But they, the adverts are like, oh, these cigarettes are, are the most healthy cigarettes out of all the cigarettes. And yeah. Um, it's crazy to read because it's just these things are basically the worst. Uh, yeah. They're like, the, 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 they're great. I know, yeah. And not only that, though, but even in today's uh, time, like young women are like, I don't even think their smoking habits are deteriorating given the evidence against smoking. You know what I mean? I think mm. young women are still smoking at an astronomical rate. Like, it's absolutely crazy when you think about it. Like, there's, no, there's not one thing you could really do, apart from, like, certain illicit drugs, 
like there's no kind of legal way you could nearly kill yourself worse you know what i mean than than basically smoking like there's no behavior you could uh, enact i i know why that is though it's because the science isn't actually exact like <laughs> like like i mean that sincerely like i know that smoking causes lung cancer right but the best mm-hmm. thing science can say is that smoking probably causes lung cancer because it no it, it well like it hasn't been proven like that smoking directly causes lung cancer right because if it did they'd be able to say when a smoker is likely to get lung cancer based on how many cigarettes they smoke per day for a number of years but literally everyone that i've ever known has an aunt or a grandmother who lived to 109 and smoked 50 cigarettes a day like you know if smoking causes lung cancer why did she never get lung cancer but then i don't think that's the way though it works right like something can cause something but it doesn't mean it has to cause it in everybody it doesn't mean it has to cause it in everybody all the time, but it means that they have to be pinned down specifically why it does it. And I know lung cancer is a very rare type of cancer, so um, like it's not. Oh no, no, no. No, I mean, I, I mean outside of smokers. Okay, exactly. Yeah, but, but, but wouldn't that be evidence enough? No, that's what I'm saying. Like I know, like I know that smoking causes lung cancer. Like I'm mm-hmm. not saying that it doesn't. I'm just saying that the reason why people are like, ah, sure. It doesn't matter. It's because it, it's, it hasn't been nailed down exactly. It's the fact that no one can definitively say to you, each time you smoke a cigarette, that's 15 minutes off your life. Like, no one can say that because th- that's not actually true. Like, there's just no quantifiable way of expressing why it's bad. And that's why adverts um, against smoking have tried loads of different techniques. You know, and they've tried putting on cigarette boxes. They have, you know, dying babies uh, who have respiratory illnesses that, that after coming out of the womb and stuff like that. But the fact is, this doesn't happen with every baby, and the risk is greater, or the risk is um, is not as is not as uh, what's the word, um, poignant or prescient as the reward, and that's why people continue to smoke because Asher, fuck it, my auntie smoked and she lived to be 150. So, I think the reason people continue to smoke has more to do with people than the science. I think just it's extraordinarily hard to convince someone of anything scientific regardless of how strong the evidence is. I, I just think people um, think of themselves as kind of above and beyond science or kind of different to everyone else. Or, And as well, I suppose, sort of alluding to what you said, um, you, you can't pin down exactly when you'll get cancer from it. And you could mm-hmm. be smoking for 40 years before you have any observable change. It's not as if it's kind of like overnight you have differences, right? So I think like it's, it's sort of a combination of all those things. I, they haven't figured out how to convince people to stop smoking. You know what I mean? Like it, it, they put warnings on the the packets of cigarettes. They put pictures on the packets of cigarettes. They put out huge like kind of think campaigns. Um, like one out of two smokers will die of a smoking related disease. You know what I mean? Like these sort of things and people still smoke. And as well as that though, like you need to take into account the fact that it's so ridiculously addictive like mm-hmm. people who really, really want to stop can't. I think the success rate for quitting smoking is in like five percent, which is based like after you try quitting twenty times, it's you're harder only to then. give up cigarettes than it is to give up heroin. Like that's an actual fact. Yeah, yeah, like it's ridiculous. But, but I will also say, and I, like I, I, for anyone wondering, I, I, I gave up smoking two and a half years ago. Um, but I still don't feel like I'm done with cigarettes, even though I, I, mm. I, I literally I haven't touched a cigarette. I haven't haven't inhaled any nicotine or anything like that um uh, barring i guess getting stoned because you do smoke tobacco then but that's different um but i 
can say with 100% certainty that that government statistic of one in every two smokers will die of a smoking-related illness, that is bullshit. That, that is not quantifiable data at all. It, like, it, is, it is actually impossible to say that that's true. And it, it's completely misleading and it's fear-mongering. And I think people who smoke know that. Like, just, what they do with stuff like that is they say if someone gets, like, blindness... Like, smoking has been shown to cause blindness at some point, and this person is a smoker, therefore smoking made them blind. That's basically what they do with that one in every two smokers will die of a tobacco-related illness, is they take any single ailment the person had and say, is there a correlation between this and tobacco use? Yes, therefore they say this person died of a tobacco-related illness. But it's bullshit. Why did they only stop at 50% then? Well, 50% is an astronomically high number. Like, but if you think about like uh, smoking ca- can cause basically like a ton of things. Like how could you d- think of a death that would occur that you definitely could say had absolutely nothing to do with smoking? Sure, but I can say I know however many people who smoke and none of them have ever had any illness because of I don't know anyone who's ever had anything wrong with them because of smoking. And that's like honestly the truth. But but how many people do you know who've died? Um, a f- as a say as a percentage of everyone you've ever known. Oh well, that's going to be very very low because exactly, and I the reason is because people. you're young. Yeah, and I the reason is because so, you're yeah. young. Like these, the, the people you know who smoke. Um, as we said, like it can be forty years of smoking before you even notice your first effect. Mm-hmm. So it's really no surprise that you haven't kind of encountered anybody who you know who smokes, who, you know what I mean? It, it, they're not saying that 50% of the people today will die tomorrow of a smoking-related illness. They're saying by the time they die, smoking will explain half of those people's deaths. Yeah, I still just think it's bullshit. Like, I, like I understand it. I just I don't see how they can say that definitively. Well, say, for instance, they look at people who don't smoke and they compare how they die, the ages they die, how they die, and then they compare the people who do smoke, and they see that, okay, the people who smoke die 10, 15, 20 years younger, um, die of diseases that affect their blood vessels, their lungs, their heart, you know what I mean? Mm, Do you you think the Irish government is doing that, though? Like, I I definitely don't. I I think they've definitely paid a, uh, like, a, a lobbyist group to come up with the most favorable statistics they can in order to put this forward and like i don't i don't deny that that's a good idea like i think nobody smoking is better than anybody smoking but i also just think that people who smoke aren't gonna buy that because it's just you know but as i said that that's a different thing entirely remember like they're, they're trying to convince or they're trying to convince people to stop smoking has basically got nothing to do with science yeah like um, and also like the ta- the tax money the government makes from people who smoke is so high. It's almost not in the government's interest from a financial point of view to get people to stop smoking. When I when I argue against this, I'm only doing it from a personal point of view because the reason that mm-hmm. I don't smoke anymore is because I I truly believe that smoking is terrible for you. And you know mm-hmm. if, if I if I continue doing it, I'm definitely just fucking myself over in the long run. So. Um, like, am I an anomaly then, statistically? Like, well, it, no, d- definitely not an anomaly per se, but uh, you're you're just one data point, if that makes sense. Mm, yeah, yeah, that's fair enough. Anyway, sorry to bog us down with that. It's just, no, it's cool. How did we get onto that? That's hilarious. <laughs> from talking about addiction, it's just, but it's just one of those things that it's like, yeah. it's not for me to say 
go ahead and smoke. I don't know what'll happen to you. Um, it, it's yeah, just, exactly. I, I just yeah. I, I I don't know. I just have a, have a problem with that blanket term for like for or that blanket statistic for whatever reason. I just don't think that it's correct. And then I don't know. I feel like if it was me arguing against someone else over something similar, I would be like, "What do you mean you don't think it's correct? You don't fucking know anything about it." Yeah, me. yeah, yeah. So I don't know. That's one of those things. Yeah. What can you do? Um, but yeah, the reward systems in the brain. Basically, Facebook is worse for you than smoking. Is that correct? <laughs> um, I think time will tell, right? If um, smoking can take forty years to show maladaptive effects, who knows how long it'll take? for Facebook, you know what I mean? Especially the fact that there's an 18-year legal limit on smoking. What's the legal limit on Facebook? That's the cool thing, isn't it? We're basically in an experiment right now. We, we are. Um, and not only are we in an experiment now in a sort of abstract sense, if we look back to 2012, Facebook actually conducted an experiment um, illegally on 700,000 Facebook users. Was it illegally um, or was it just unethically? Well, uh, I think when you sign up to it, you agree to their terms and conditions. But I think there's like international human rights that the Western world sort of conforms to. I like how this is building. People are going to be like, what the fuck? Did Mark Zuckerberg go and rape a bunch of people? Or <laughs> Yeah. Um, so basically what they tried to do was they wanted to see if they could manipulate mood and how that would uh, affect people's use of Facebook in terms of what they wrote. So they wanted to basically transmit the emotions of anger as an emotional contagion. So basically, if you see things of people who are angry, will you express yourself more angry and how will that affect your emotional state and can that be transferred to others, um, leading people to experience the same emotions without their awareness? Like, it's so unethical. It's 100% it's unethical. Um, it has never been investigated. It happened five years ago. It's and funny to it's me all... that they felt the need to do that. Like, like they're all like Facebook does that already. <laughs> Any emotion exactly. that anyone feels is amplified two hundred percent by the fact that they are on Facebook when they. But that's the thing, it. though, right? It, it's it's the it's to quantify it. It's to see, holy shit, how much yeah. can we? I think that was the point. It's yeah, like, no, okay, yeah, 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 no, yeah. It's, it's a given that it'll happen, but seven hundred thousand people who never agreed to it. Do you, you know, know anything I mean? about the way that they actually went ahead and did it? Like what, what, what it actually entailed? I think they sent a, set up an algorithm that would detect certain words of people's posts and then prioritize those posts to show to people in either the anger group versus the normal group or whatever. Mm -hmm. So people who seem to be annoyed, they'd make a list of terms that would basically highlight the fact that this Facebook user is annoyed and then prioritize those posts to show to the uh, experiment group. That's so funny. Like, I can, I can, I, I think my phone is doing this to me. Um, <laughs> just, just, just real quick while we're, while we're, uh, let me just check my Google at the moment. And I'll, I'll show you why I think that, right? The very first article that comes up when I go to the Google News thing is uh, about Liam Gallagher, right? Because obviously mm. that's a thing. Then the next one is Wonder Woman, right? The next one is Milo Yiannopoulos. Mm. Right. There is no reason why that needs to be the third thing in my. There's opinion. every reason. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then the one after that is Bill Maher. Uh, like it's things that I actively dislike, mm. and they keep coming up in my Google News because Google knows that I do not have the impulse. I, I like sorry, I do not have the control over my impulses to not click that and get angry at the latest thing. <laughs> That's yeah, really yeah. 
Well, that's interesting, isn't it? Because it's almost as if you're addicted to click into something that generates ad revenue money for Facebook. Yeah, I, I do. Um, I, I definitely like sort of hate watch a lot of stuff. I'm definitely really bad at controlling that urge. And where a better person says, oh, if you don't like it, then just don't fucking watch it. Don't give them the satisfaction. Like that will never be me. I'm going to give them the satisfaction. Yeah, but it's always said by someone who has no emotional investment in the topic. Like, you that's know what I mean? true, yeah. Yeah. Like if I was, yeah, talking to someone about something that I don't care about, of course it's going to be easy for me to be like, eh, just don't watch it. But like, you're right. If you if you were ever talking to me about Hillary Clinton and the things you don't like about her, if I ever turn to you and say, well, then just don't fucking listen to her, man. Like, I know you yeah. have every right to tell me to go and fuck myself. <laughs> I ever do, that. and I will. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, no, like it's so true. Like it's just so much easier to say it when there's absolutely no emotional investment. On behalf of the person giving advice, yeah. like yeah, there there is a friend of mine though. Um, his name is Nepenthes. You actually met him one time um, in 2011 outside the Sugar Club <laughs> after a Code Line gig. Um, oh right, cool. He um, he's the he's the big English guy with tattoos. If you can remember six years ago, um, but he is literally like that. Like he will never hate watch a thing or. Like he'll never okay, invest yeah, time yeah. in something that he that he is bothered by or phased by in some way. Mm. I can do nothing but admire like just how how much energy that frees up in his mind to dedicate to positive ventures, and it definitely does. And it's the reason why he's a huge success is because he's able to just be like, oh, getting nothing out of this, fuck this, I'm done with that, and then he'll yeah, just go and yeah, do yeah. the next thing for himself, something that's beneficial to him. And yeah. it's like, oh man, I wish I could be like that. I know, I definitely have masochistic tendencies that I would yeah. like to erase. Yeah, yeah. Super masochistic tendencies. And actually the our propensity to engage in them, I think, says a lot about us. Not only yeah, like as individuals, but as a species. Yeah, and I know? think social media is capitalizing on that. Like, yeah, to big an, time. To an unbelievable degree. Like. Yeah, yeah. Um, like even my YouTube recommendations are all just things that I don't like. <laughs> yeah. Although, have you noticed that YouTube has sort of moved from things that are liked, things that are disliked, to kind of focusing on likes now? They're. You, it, they're it's really rare to see a video that's like disliked more than it's liked. They're very, very, very. They're more brand friendly now than they've ever been before. Definitely. Ever been before. Yeah. And I. And did you see uh, the lady? What's her name? Who the CEO of YouTube? She has like. Chiawiski, or sort of an Eastern European sounding surname. She's after uh, releasing a video, like basically saying, like, I'm going to be a new content creator. Hmm. Like the CEO of YouTube, she's after getting slated for that, though. And like comments, like if you ever look at a YouTube comment now, like even the most hated comment under a video is going to be more liked than disliked. It's really weird. Yeah. I think Facebook... It was a stroke of genius not to put dislikes as well as likes on. I think maybe they did initially. But just to focus on likes or nothing, I think it was a stroke of genius. It totally encouraged people to participate more. And yeah, yeah let me see what the YouTube CEO's name is. Because she's after getting like serious abuse, basically. You know the way, what's it called? It's like some sort of, basically like the ad revenue and the way loads of uh, YouTube uh, creators were demonetized and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't actually know her name. I, I've sort of... Susan Wojcicki or something like that. Okay. Yeah, but like she's the CEO of YouTube. Like She's clearly an ardent feminist. She clearly took umbrage with your man who released the Google Manifesto. James What's Damore. His name? 
Yeah, James Damore. And when you read it, it's actually like reading like a fucking science article. Like, you know what I mean? There's there's such little controversy and such little personal opinion on it. You know what I mean? And if anything, he's just asking questions. It's certainly not um, as bad as I thought it was. Um, and but but like even for, and but not only that though, it, like it's it, it's it's actually factual. Mm. You know what I mean? It's 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 factual. It's it's like. It's just madness. I did read that some of the stuff on it was up for debate, or at least it was. No, wasn't. of course, yeah. yeah. Like, de- like definitely, there's some stuff that's up for debate because he's he's asking questions about some stuff, but some of the like kind of inconvenient truths are actually pretty well substantiated evidentially, you know. Yeah, it's definitely one of those things where um, the me of two years ago would have said this guy thinks he's genetically inf- uh, superior to women, so like get him out of there. That's fine. I, I, like at this point, I think. Uh, YouTube have, or sorry, Google have made him famous by sacking him. I think mm. That was an absolutely ridiculous thing to do. Um, yeah, and even like I, they did a poll amongst uh, Google Googlers, and they found that the majority of people who worked in Google actually disagreed with the decision to sack him, which I think is hugely encouraging. Mm. Well, it's definitely you know not I mean? a like. It's just not a wise thing to do. I, I, he's taken them to court, right? So yeah, he, and might, I, he definitely has a good case. Yeah, I, I'd imagine he does. Um, yeah, like, and that's I, even going to give it more publicity as well. Like you'd think that yeah. they would have just kind of yeah moved him to a different section or whatever, or I don't know. Yeah, I hope they give him money to stop going on podcasts, though, because I'm sick of <laughs> being like, oh, check out this podcast, oh, this fucking guy again. It's, James Nemora. Yeah, I, I tell you one thing that I am. Actually, no, should we finish? Because I, I do have another thing I want to talk about a lot uh, that's to do with the effect of social media on our psyche, but um, should we keep talking about the mental health aspect? Um, or are you done with that? To put Not to put you on the spot or anything. Just... <laughs> um, I, I, yeah, like I, I, I definitely think that we don't know enough about the impact on mental health. I definitely think that if you think about adolescence, mm. there's... They're so vulnerable to so much and that the fact that we're just letting this go on without knowing what the long-term implication will be, I think, is scandalous. Yeah, I and think... I'd say irrespective of all of those things about, um, about like, the, the, you know, the potential mental health um, uh, ramifications and also things like the fact that they're exposed to things that, you know, should maybe come with an age restriction or something like that, um, mm. but, but just the bare... Um, thing Necessity. the bare necessities of life they'll they'll come to you let me tell you um, I, just a quick tangent right I um I I never saw that movie The Jungle Book as a kid uh, never saw any of the Disney movies I saw Bambi when I was like seven and it basically scared me into a life of never watching any Disney movie oh ever god again. so um when I was uh, I was babysitting my girlfriend's two nieces with her. Uh, a few weeks ago and they were watching the jungle book and there's a there's a scene in that one of the nieces is four and the other is two and they were like totally um entranced by this movie um and i thought it was pretty cool there's a scene with these vultures that are clearly like a play on popular music at the time and things like that um but there's a bear in it called baloo and then there's a a bad tiger guy called shakira shere khan shere khan yeah Um, are you talking about uh, the jungle book not bambi yeah, I'm talking about the Jungle Book. Yeah, that's what the okay, bare necessities sorry, are from, though. Sorry, I thought you said you were talking about Bambi. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. That, that's the one that scared me away from all of them. Okay, um, yeah, but, yeah, So yeah. they were watching the Jungle Book, and, and Baloo has the fight with um, 
Shere Khan? Is that what it is? Yeah, Shere Khan, yeah. And, and, uh, and Shere Khan knocks Baloo to the ground, and Baloo does not get back up again. And the older niece was like, what, 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 what's happened to Baloo? What's wrong with mm. Baloo? And I was like, ah, fuck. This kid is going <laughs> to find out about death. Like, yeah, yeah. this is the way that I, this is how it's going to happen, and it's going to be up to me to be the guy. And yeah, yeah, My yeah. girlfriend was like, oh, he, he's just sore. He's just very, very sore. And I was like, oh, yeah, good one. Like, she's going <laughs> to believe that. And um, eventually, like, I, I was like, in, in terms of, like, anxiety and just emotional heightened sensibilities, I was pretty much ready to explode. Um, and then the motherfucker came back to life. Like Baloo just nice. stands up again. And I was like, ah, oh. yeah. Like I actually exhaled um, so much. I, I must. I don't know. I, I must have lost. You were like, holding your breath or something. Just, yeah, I was, I was yeah. just like, oh, thank God. Um, so yeah, um, yeah. I, I can't even remember why I started. Oh yeah, because anyway, the bare thing that uh, people should be worried about when it comes to their kids being on social media is addiction. And the fact that it is addictive by its very nature, it, it is built to be addictive. It's built to keep you clicking. It's built to keep you searching for likes and keep posting and following new accounts and liking new pages and, uh, you know, potentially buying products or window shopping or looking at the ideal lifestyle for you. Um, it's, it's built to keep you doing that all the time. And it encourages kids to believe that life is perfect because what they're presented with on social media is, as we said, a, a fake version of life, like the one side of the coin, only the positives. Yeah. And as well as that, like uh, kids are so impressionable and it's so important from an in-group, out-group kind of perspective that, that they need to be accepted. And if likes are a uh, metric of acceptance, then, of course, they're going to do anything and everything to get that. And when that's not there, that's going to be extremely frustrating and neuros and neurosis inducing you know what i mean I, I don't think we're really paying enough attention to it like back say for instance before social media you meet up with your friends for a couple of hours right you have the energy it's not too long blah 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 you hang out with them you have a good time you go home there's like a, sh a shut off you know what i mean it's it, it's almost like you're escaping then to the refuge of your house with your family who unconditionally care for you hopefully you know what i mean mm -hmm. whereas yeah. on social media there's nobody there basically to protect you you're basically just there 24-7, you know what I mean, with no sort of arbitrator. And I'm not one to argue for arbitration, but we just need to be aware of that in relation to teenagers and, and younger. You know what I mean? It's, 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 I don't think time will be forgiving of how we let young people uh, interact with social media platforms. Yeah, I, I think you're right. But every impulse in me to push that urge to the forefront of my fears doesn't allow me to do it because I remember being a kid and you know um, my mum uh, was really cool and let me watch like Steven Seagal movies and Jean-Claude Van Damme movies mm. instead of the Disney movies that actually psychologically traumatized me for <laughs> any of the, yeah, any of the yeah. 18 rated movies I watched um, but it's that that makes me think like oh, just let the, let the fucking kids grow up themselves like don't coddle them but I don't think we're actually crying out for them to be coddled. I think it's just an impulse to 
control how quickly they're going to be cast into this world of of, of absolutes and fears and anxieties and just things yeah. that they have no possible control over but that they're supposed to get wound up and fearful of. Yeah. Um, but as well as that, though, like, have you ever thought about how if you leave the house without your phone, it almost feels like you're missing a sense, you're missing an organ, you're missing a part of yourself? Yeah. Like, that's happening to us when we actually developed, essentially, without mobile phones. Like, I was about 12 or 13 before I had my first uh, mobile phone. Can you imagine kids who now, from the age of seven, eight, nine, getting their first mobile phone, like how their brains incorporate that kind of appendage into their psyche? Yeah, um, there's a guy who is a, like a science student of some kind who has been on this show. Um, his name's Ali. He's like a longtime listener. Um, and he described the relationship we have with our phones as a symbiotic relationship. Mm. And that is literally what it is. Like, for all intents and purposes, my phone is an extension of myself. Um, mm. But it, and it's also just a part of myself. Like, yeah, big you know, time. It might as well be fucking strapped to me because yeah. I, I can't go anywhere without it. And it's not just that I need to check my Twitter feed. It's that I need it to, like, listen to podcasts and look at the news and, like... It's 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 not always just a self gratification exercise. It's like a yeah. I need to be in touch with the world. Yeah, and no, if, completely. Yeah, it's uh, it's really like, um, strange when you think. And it reminds me of this uh, documentary I watched on BBC Horizons, which I might have talked about before in relation to something else we were talking about neuroscience related. But there was this guy who was given this uh, vibrating compass essentially on his chest and when he faced due north it would vibrate and then the vibration would taper as he moved away and then obviously would stop when he's looking south the furthest direction away from north and he found that wearing that for long enough his brain almost incorporated this new sense into a sense of direction from like a visuospatial perspective uh, to the ex- that guy did a ted talk did he yeah about that and- yeah he had like a vest Wired yes, up with, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and to insane. the extent, yeah, super insane. So basically his brain was receiving information about the direction he was facing in relation to north, south, east and west. But the interesting thing was when that was taken off him, he felt sort of naked from a perceptual point of view in relation to that aspect. Like his visuospatial perception felt like it was debilitated. Mm-hmm. His brain had actually found a way to utilize that information to make better sense of the world so that when it was removed, he had, a, like, basically, for want of a better word, a disability. You know what I mean? It was like losing his vision like or like losing his hearing. Here he lost his ability to perceive due north, which like certain birds possess the ability, you know, like the birds that migrate and that have an incredible sense of direction. Um, and and it, it's just insane. Uh, and I think that our phones actually represent that sort of... Uh, what would be the word, artificial appendage that we attach to ourselves and that we utilize and that our brains depend on. Uh, like our, uh, There's a really good quote that I read in a neuroscience article once, and it was that we need to start thinking about the brain the way we think about claws and teeth. It wants to survive, you know what I mean? Mm. It was, it, it's evolved to survive. And that it'll do anything and take into account anything that will promote that survival. And of course, like mobile phones, uh, social media does enhance that survival. Like, you know what I mean? Like when an earthquake happens, you can find out straight away where it's happened, how far away you are from it and how how likely you are to be safe. Or if there's a madman on the rampage, etc. You know what I mean? Like, um, 
it's 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 just mad. Like I, I I always think that our brains are smarter than we realize. You know what I mean? This, and that we don't give them enough credit. This seems like a very good opportunity to segue into what I wanted to talk about, which is uh, tribalism and the fact that social media has amplified our tribalistic tendencies on a really weird and sort of counterintuitive level, right? So you would think that, like. Tribalism, when I think of tribalism, I think of hunter-gatherers and the fact that we had to stay in little tribes in order to survive and you'd war with other tribes based on the resources that they had. And Mm -hmm. the world gets bigger, cities get bigger, everything expands, we get bigger, we share things better, we trade better, we have um, just better communications with other other, um, like civilizations in in different parts of the world. And, And now we are more connected than ever before and it seems like all we want to do is just drive ourselves back into our little tribes where we can stay safe. And Mm. talking about the brain and the fact that, you know, it it viewed in this guy uh, his his directional vest as an extra sense and a a way like that he could uh, further his survival in some way and be beneficial. I think we do the same thing with tribalism. And whenever anything happens in the world at all, we go straight to our social media bubble and we find out what other people in our tribe feel about that. Because we're Mm. looking for ultimately, how does this affect us? Like, what impact does this have on our tribe? Like, okay, Donald Trump has just been elected. Let me check my Twitter feed. Great apocalypse. Uh, yeah, have yeah, that yeah. to look forward to now. Like it's that sort of thing, um, and it, it's crazy. And I don't really think I would have predicted that happening at all. Like we've actually kind of driven ourselves further apart, where we yeah, really should yeah. have, and, and we're losing the value of of conversation and like healthy intellectual debate because people think that debate is something that's supposed to be angry and negative, but in fact, debate is like usually a really friendly. Yeah, experience, yeah, completely yeah. free of hostility. Like if you think of any uh, academic debate, it's it's never like it's it's always perfectly civil. Like exactly, it's... and 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 it's so funny when you think how like the, the length certain groups or people would go to to silence debate. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's crazy. It's madness. Because you and I are on like I I think more and more each day we kind of get a little bit opposite to one another. We like we drift a little bit further apart down different paths. Mm. Um, in the way that we see the world and like in Mm. terms of ideology i think we're definitely on opposite sides of some kind of fence um but the fact that we talk about that yeah uh, like i feel better because of that like if, if if you and i had fallen out over some like ridiculous like ideological um argument at some point i think i would i would just be so much worse off because I'd yeah. be like removing an angle of like visibility from my worldview. You know what I mean? It'd just be mm-hmm. like, oh well, that's that's it. Like I don't need to talk to him anymore. Um, now I can yeah, go back yeah. to you know thinking that everything on my side is correct. And exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like you you sort of think of opposite of ideologies as a thing that you need to destroy rather than a thing that you need to converse with and communicate with and work with. You know. Yeah, yeah, no, completely. Um, I, I just don't get it at all. It's nuts. Yeah. Um, and if anyone doesn't know what I'm talking about, like, just look at your Twitter feed. Look at the fucking replies on every Donald Trump tweet. It's enough to make mm. you vomit into a bucket. Just some yeah. dickhead with a verified account and, like, 57 tweets making up a thread of, oh, Donald <laughs> Trump, why are you doing this? <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but what off. I think is really really important is have you ever like watched a live video say on twitter or facebook where they update the comments in real time yeah 
I think, okay, so have that as example A. And example B is when you open Twitter, you're basically seeing the aggregate of all the likes that Twitter uh, kind of received in terms of posts. And it's showing you the most liked down to the least liked or whatever. You know what I mean? Or at least it's ordering them based on popularity. Yeah. The fact that our brains, I think our brains realize that Twitter, Facebook, etc., is showing us what thousands upon thousands of other brains watched, perceived, and then decided was relevant or irrelevant. And I think that is one of the reasons why we pay so much attention and place so much importance on the products of social media, as in Facebook posts, Twitter posts, etc., especially because their algorithms for deciding what to show you are based upon interaction and posts that are interacted with. It's almost as if our brain's like, oh my God, uh, 10,000 brains already did the, the hard work of reading this and liking it. So you know what I mean? Of course, I'm going to pay attention now. Yeah, now that I have you know a what completely I mean? diluted version that's sort of um, with that layer of finesse. Exactly. Of, of like, I don't have to make up my own mind. Like, that's it. Here it is for me. Perfect. Yeah, exactly. Like, OK, so I'm one brain. I could make a mistake. But here's an aggregate of 10,000 people or whatever. So I'm going to place more emphasis and importance on this. Yeah. And I think like never before in history have we been able to see uh, the result of what 10,000 or any number of thousand of people thought or believed or wrote, you know what I mean? Like it's, I don't know, it's, it's, it's just fascinating. Yeah. I think that's one of the reasons we're drawn to it is just because we can see the product of other people's cognition to an extent that we've never experienced before. I think we're currently living in the era of cognitive dissonance. And yeah. if you want any example of cognitive dissonance, you can find it in pretty much any Twitter account. Like for, for anyone who broadcasts their opinion wholesale um, and they'll offer up their opinion on anything, you'll find so many contradictions. Um, mm. and, and Like in, in everybody, like pretty much. Did you listen to um, Sam Harris talking to Scott Adams about Donald Trump? No. Uh, well, it was this very very strange um episode uh, like sam harris is basically saying here's what i don't like about trump and scott adams mm. is uh scott adams is a trained hypnotist and a guy who he wrote the comic dilbert for anyone who doesn't know it and he talks about donald trump as if he's this master persuader um mm. and it, it's so weird right because scott adams says in the episode he's like my analogy for uh, the Trump phenomenon is that people are uh, we're in the same movie theater, but we're watching on two different screens or so something like that. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. Um, but then he says at one point in the episode that Sam Harris is showing so many signs of cognitive dissonance. And then later on in the episode, he criticizes Sam Harris for using an analogy, saying that analogies are completely ineffective, <laughs> in spite of the fact that his main thesis here is an analogy. Um, yeah. And the other, the other like excellent thing about it is, if you go on to each of their respective um, subreddits, the the comments, like each each group of fans from each respective person, each think that one guy destroyed the other guy. Like they yeah, both think that they were Victoria. It's nuts. I mean, yeah. like, it wasn't really an argument. I, like I found it like really interesting to listen to. Um, I, yeah. I, I, th I thought a lot of the stuff that Scott Adams said actually made sense to me in a way that I, I didn't want them to, but also that he was a little bit cynical and, and kind of like narcissistic in a way. Um, but then again, I, I also just don't think I'm a person that's qualified to make that kind of claim. Um, mm. 
but uh, what was the fucking point of me? Oh yeah, cognitive dissonance is just it's so prevalent in pretty much everything now. Like everybody has some opinion that they are that they are like claiming the opposite of on some other. Like the main thing right now is I don't know. Like take for example YouTube and the fact that they are silencing free speech, and yet yeah. they will simultaneously support the fact that Donald Trump is telling people that they ought to. That that they should be fired for kneeling before the flag instead of standing there and respecting mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. or whatever, right? So that's their First Amendment right to free speech. Yeah, it's ridiculous the criticism of that. Yeah, <laughs> you can't be mad at a, a corporation for silencing free speech and then claim that Donald Trump should be silencing free speech because it yeah 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 just because it lines up with your ideology. Like fuck off. Yeah. It's just, oh, it's ridiculous. Well, here's my two cents on that. I think that uh, definitely in, in, in recent times, uh, say the last five years. And we've definitely become more polarized than ever before. Mm. And what that has uh, led to is that not that cognitive dissonance as a concept is more prevalent, but the lengths you have to go to resolve that dissonance is greater. Does that make sense? Yes. I think cognitive dissonance as a concept has always been there, but that it's always been easier to resolve. So obviously, just for people who don't realize what cognitive dissonance is, say, for instance, if I have two groups of people and one group of people, one group of people, I make them do a repetitive task and I pay them. The other group, I give them a repetitive task and I don't pay them. So a tedious, boring, repetitive task. The group that I pay will turn around and say, that task was bullshit, it was rubbish, it was boring, it was stupid, but luckily I got paid, that was the only reason I did it. The other group who I don't pay, they'll be like, how am I going to rationalize the fact that I did this boring, stupid, repetitive task, I wasn't even paid? Then they'll be like, oh, well, you know, that actually was kind of interesting. I actually kind of learned something from that. It wasn't as boring as I thought it would be. They rationalize what they did to justify the fact they did it. So they, they can't change the fact they did it but they change their cognitions about it. So they make it seem like, oh, this was consonant with what I would usually have done. They had no other explanation for it. That's essentially cognitive dissonance. But now, because things are so vastly different and polar opposite-wise, they have to go to further lengths to justify things. And I think that's why it, it, it's more apparent now or more obvious is because the lengths people go to justify things and to rationalize things are far greater as opposed to the fact that they are just doing that. Does that make sense? Yeah. I um, I, I want to tell you something uh, that I found just mind-blowing that happened to me recently. Amazing. Um, go for it. Not to pick it up too much. It's not that yeah, much. Yeah, yeah. To me, though, this, this was... This is insane. Um, so I know you're a huge Conor McGregor fan. Um, mm. Going into the fight against Mayweather, you were obviously cheering for McGregor. Uh, Big time. Did, did you think he was actually going to win? I did think at the time he was going to win, yes. Okay. Um, well, I did not. Um, I, I spoke about it on my podcast and I said I would love for him to win. I don't think he will. But if he does mm-hmm. win, I'm going to claim that I thought he would because I mm. believe him when he says that he will. I just don't exactly. think that he will. I ha- yeah, I, I, just have a, I had at that time a ridiculous belief in him that this guy could literally do anything. Yeah. I see that that was probably stupid to have, but I don't know why. Yeah, so I, I'm not ashamed to say that I thought he'd beat Mayweather, which in hindsight seems ridiculous, but... I can't explain why I thought that at the time. Well, what I'm about to say is even more nuts, right? So I went to my friend's house to watch it. Um, mm-hmm. He has like a, a cinema room in his house. It's lovely. You've been there. It's great. I have, yeah. Um, and loads of our friends were there. And apart from myself and Steve, 
every single person in that room believed 100% that McGregor was going to win, right? Which is fine. Like, that, that that's not a yeah, weird thing yeah. to think at all. But they would not hear a single argument to the contrary. And in fact, they were really hostile towards any implication that McGregor might not win. Um, yeah. And I, th- there was about like five or six lads just, you know, straight up being like, Oh come on, man! And and I I will be honest. I didn't say I think Mayweather is going to win because I just didn't want to be arguing yeah, that yeah, much yeah. with that many people. But Steve said it, and and um and they were like, oh, come on, man! Like he's definitely not. Um, but there was one point in the conversation that really uh that really struck a chord with me was when um we went to this pub uh at about like we were there until about three a.m. or something. But um the lads were out having a cigarette and I I joined them because I didn't want to be alone at the bar, um. And they were saying, well, Conor McGregor's never been dropped before. And I was like, um, I'm pretty sure he got dropped in the fifth round of the second fight against Nate Diaz. Because I, I remember Nate Diaz coming out swinging in that last round to the point where people actually thought Conor might lose the fight. Um, but I'm pretty sure Diaz did drop him. I never actually... I never. No, uh, he didn't. He, he, took, he, he took him down. He grappled him down, but he didn't drop him. Oh, he didn't drop him, did he not? All right. No. Well, well, I said I'm pretty sure Diaz dropped him. And they were all like, no, 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 he didn't. And I was like, are you sure? And like, I say that because I actually was really curious at the time. And they're like, no, mm-hmm. no, no. And I took out my phone. And I was like, I'll just Google it. And they were like, why would you Google it, man? We're just having a discussion. <laughs> There's no need to Google it. Oh, I just, God, yeah. I, got, I needed to Google it because I wanted to know if I was recalling the event correctly. Not yeah, because I was yeah, like, yeah. oh, fuck you, idiots. You got it wrong. Yeah, I just, yeah, I just yeah. wanted to remember if I was like, if I was right or not. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was just so strange to me. It was like, no, this is the this is the way we're talking, and that's how it is. And there's no. It was like double that. think. It was like something like Orwellian. Yeah. It's like, no, 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 no. We we're living in this world right now. Like, forget about your facts or your truths. Yeah, like we're, yeah. And I'm not saying in, yeah. I'm not like I'm not saying oh those people are idiots. Like I'm not saying anything like that. I'm saying it was interesting to me because it's yeah. an example of tribalism, and it is. And I even yeah, said yeah. it to one of the guys after. It's like I just can't believe that everyone was so pro McGregor, and he goes. The guy actually said to me, "You're not. You're just not a McGregor fan," which, again, just enhances the the, the cult around uh, even more to me. Yeah, I absolutely. You mean. so are. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, uh, yeah. But um. But know. yeah, it's just really funny. It, it was as if they didn't even want to uh, prepare for the possibility that it happened or whatever. Yeah. And like I, if they were that sure, then they would have taken pleasure in the fact that you Googled it to prove yourself wrong. You know exactly, what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. And and that's like, actually a post truth microcosm yeah it is and, and i tell you if, if you want if, if you want a great example of this uh, football fans do it all the time um if you ask a, a fan of a, a particularly big football club while they're going up against another big football club they'll mm. say something to, to the degree of oh well their best player got injured last week uh, like i know they've won five games in a row and scored a, a combined total of 35 goals in that spell mm. but now they've lost their best player i'd say they're going to be a little bit fearful coming into this like they won't have yeah, come up against yeah. a defender quite like this. And it's like Okay, those those are all perfectly rational things, but you're saying that because you want it to be true, yeah, and that's really yeah. strange to me. I'm not saying I'm not guilty of it. I'm not saying I'm better than football fans. I'm just saying that it's something that I've <laughs> observed in football fans a lot, and it, it's just it, it's it's a method of thinking that I just don't fully understand because um, I'm hearing yeah. it and I just I fully don't get how they've come to this conclusion without being like I want this team to win and therefore I am going to create a reality. True, yeah. which there is no other possibility but my team to be the winners. Yeah, I, I think though, like uh, rationally, 
I don't know. It, it's sort of like the WWE thing. Like football sort of reminds me of that. I know they're completely different, but just like yeah, the idea WWE of grown is real for stars. <laughs> yeah, but just the idea of grown men mentally or emotionally groveling towards like multi-millionaires in a way that they're emotionally invested in them just is so foreign to me. And like it's just sort of I don't know. Like it, it's, there's a childishness to it that I just can't rub out of my appreciation of it. Yeah. I, 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 you know what I mean? It's, I'm not surprised by the fact they do that. It's the way kids, when they're doing make-believe, they're going to be like, oh, no, 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 you don't have wings today. You have super speed. And the kid's like, no, 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 I have wings. You have su-. You know what I mean? I, I, um, I truly think that my self-doubts when it comes to my own intellectual prowess or whether or not I am intelligent, which is a, a thing that people tell me I'm intelligent a lot, you're and definitely I, intelligent. Okay, but I fucking love wrestling, okay? Yeah, yeah, And yeah. I cannot help but use that as a point against myself whenever people <laughs> try and reinforce that within me. And like, no, man, like, you are really intelligent. You, and I'm just like, come on, I want to I wanna see Brock Lesnar throwing people around, uh, like, pretend. <laughs> I, I want to see yeah. people pretend to hit each other with a sledgehammer. Like, this stuff is, it's not only something that I get my kicks from, as I would have certain people believe. I'm like, ah... I just watch that because it's so ridiculous. Like, that's yeah, not, yeah. But no, I watch it because I actually think it's cool. Like, yeah. I, I actually get some sort of like visceral response to it that makes me hyped and it makes me like, yeah. yeah, this is the like this is this is the inspiration that I need in my life. Like, I need to see Goldberg spear that guy. <laughs> yes, that is that's. <laughs> but it's it's going to the cinema um, and watching two different movies. Like it, it seriously is. Like you know, you can't underestimate how differently other people perceive the world. Like you really can't. Yeah, yeah. And like it's it, and it's it's remarkable that we can have an appreciation of that, but still be light years away from being able to fully comprehend it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I can appreciate the fact that you do see things differently, but that'll never give me any idea as to how you perceive it in the first place. I just think that's mind-boggling. Yeah, that is insane, isn't it? Like, imagine, it's almost like kind of knowing what you can't know. And to an extent, it is. You know what I mean? Like, there's the things you know, the things you don't know, the things you know you don't know, but then worst of all, there's the things you don't know you don't know. And in medicine, they're the things you have to be most careful of. Yeah, because you, you just cannot step into somebody else's head. Exactly. Or, or their you, body you can't for that matter, like... You can't prepare for those eventualities. Yeah. Like, you can know you don't know something. It's like, okay, now I know I need to go for help because I don't know this. But the things you don't know that you don't know, they're the scariest things of all. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Um, yeah. I, and I think social media just drives us further apart from these things. Yeah, well, it's it's echo chamber galore, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. That's pretty much it. Um. And it's it, it's it's driven dialogue away. I just think it's funny that like at a time when it's like it's never been easier to talk to people, we are stopping people talking to people. Yeah. <laughs> this is. Are we are we going to talk about GamerGate? <laughs> is that what this is? <laughs> I don't know. Like? Actually, I think GamerGate is sort of another beast entirely. Like, sure, it's on the like it's a spawn of media and stuff, but in terms of. Like the subject matter and the content, it really is another kind of kettle of fish. I never, I never actually got into the Gamergate thing while it was on. Um, I, I did not care. I, I was very much, um, I guess, uh, set out in my path to 
remove myself from the gaming world because I was like big into gaming at the time and I just I was sick of people on Xbox Live telling me to go fuck myself and like all of this stuff and I just sort of mm. I don't know the FIFA community at the time which I was like heavily involved in was just this this fucking sewer of yeah. just non-stop anger like it's actually crazy to think the FIFA community now is an overwhelmingly positive place and in, in like 2012 or so it was just filled with fucking cunts. <laughs> Maybe you were just that bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I I remember I appeared on a, a much bigger uh, FIFA channel at one point, and the comment section was just filled with a, a litany of insults, the likes of which I had never experienced before. And a lot of the stuff, I remember one particular thing that happened was... Um, somebody asked, we were doing a Q&A thing and someone asked, are you going to get GTA 5? And I was thinking to myself, I said like I said this out loud while I was thinking, I was like, well, it's probably going to come out on PS4. Um, so I'll probably just wait the year and a half or whatever until it comes out on next-gen consoles and get it then. And the comment section was like, oh, this fucking retard thinks this game is fucking coming out on next-gen consoles. What a fucking idiot. It's not even being announced <laughs> on that, you fucking spastic and all this stuff. And I was just like, whoa, guys, I mean, it's probably going to, nah, fuck you, fuck you. Um, it did in the end, right? And I can never go back to each individual comment and go, oh, yeah, you think you're so fucking big now, do you? Well, it fucking came out on next gen, you absolute retard. Yeah, yeah, and like, yeah. even if I do that, they're going to come back and go, lol, you mad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what hurts the most. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Is the fact that you are mad. <laughs> There's no justice on social media. Yeah, there truly isn't. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I had ushered my way out of the, the gaming sphere because of that. And then Gamergate happened, and I was like, yep, told you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's yeah, what yeah. Like, that's what they'll do to you. Um, I will uh, say I this, hate... though. Sorry. Yeah. You know, you, um, I'll just I'll, I'll say this real quick. The, the people who were like, oh, no, it's about ethics and games journalism. Like, listen, guys, games journalism is one of the most unethical types of, game, of journalism that there has been, right? Those big magazines you used to buy for seven euro a pop back in the day before the internet, like, those 10 out of 10 reviews for the big games, they were paid for. Like, yeah. No yeah. one was sitting down being like, yeah, this is a 10 out of 10 for this reason. They were being like, ah, this is a new game. And uh, Capcom have given us the dough, so we're giving it. Like, they were sponsored by those companies. Like, there's no yeah, regulation yeah. in the games industry to stop that from happening. Like, it's just, yeah. like this has happened since the dawn of games journalism. It's what it is. You know how many you know how many videos you watch from your favorite YouTubers that are paid for by the games company of the game exactly. they're reviewing? Like, get the fuck out of here with that argument. Like, that, that's nonsense. Yeah. Like, actually, yeah. is like complete nonsense. And the, the people who wanted to believe that are living in a fantasy world because it has never been yeah. like that. Yeah, that's all I wanted to say about Gamergate. Mm. You know, I, I just despise the fact that it was sort of a, a man versus woman. It was like women are victims, sort of thing. You know what I mean? As you said there, like the like the litany of abuse you received from men directed at a man. Like you know what I mean? When you look back at Gamergate, like it was essentially like centered around like those three individuals: Zoe Quinn, Vianna Wu, and Anita Sarkeesian. You know what I mean? Mm. It was. Like I, I just I, I just despise how it was turned into this kind of feminist uh, vendetta or feminist crusade. Yeah, I I, I can only imagine uh, trying to speak from a pro-feminist perspective here that um, the way that women are treated in general in the gaming community online like is pretty horrendously. I, I think it's largely due to the fact that you have like 
prepubescent boys who have been taught that it's funny to say this to women or, or whatever it is, like uh, the hormones and everything that, that's happening. Um, but what do prepubescent boys say to other boys? It's, it's not any nicer. Yeah, no. Yeah, I agree. Um, like in his, yeah. th there was this um, woman uh, in the FIFA community um, called Sophie J, which actually turned out to not be a woman, which is really, <laughs> a really weird thing. Um, did you assume her gender? <laughs> I did, because she told me she was a girl. <laughs> it's actually so funny how everyone... Like, so... For, like I, I think being a woman in a in a gaming community, there's like three phases of it, and the first one is like, oh my god, it's a woman! Everybody, everybody, flock around this woman! It's a woman! It, this is amazing! Like you were, oh, I worship you! I, I want to. You're like, so hot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> She's got an avatar of Lionel Messi, like. Yeah, and then phase two happens over the next few months when it's like this person's not giving me that much attention. You know, oh, fuck you! Like I, <laughs> I fucking told you that I'd give you the world, and you haven't done anything for me. Like fuck you! Fuck yeah, you! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like then, knight in shining armor. Problems. Yeah, exactly. And then phase three is, I am so sick of you that I am going to discredit you, deplatform you. I am going to attempt to ruin your life, and that's when all the rumors start. So we were in phase three of Sophie J. Um, and she was treated mostly um, nicely by uh, the other content creators, although she was definitely not free of, of the odd jab, like, you know, you're a bitch, you know nothing about woman, you or you know nothing about football, you belong in a kitchen, stuff <laughs> well, like that. Well, she didn't know anything she about being a woman. actually didn't know anything about being a woman. <laughs> that person was, yeah, that was right in the button. What's, what's mad is that... Um, she uploaded this picture, like, oh, my computer is black screened, what's wrong with it? And... In the reflection of the TV, of the monitor, with the black screen, you could see what was clearly a guy. Oh my god. Yeah, and so people were like, hey, that's a guy. And you're... Now, all the person had to do here was say, oh, my brother took the picture for me and sent it to me on WhatsApp, so I uploaded yeah, it yeah, tell yeah. me what's wrong. But no, deleted the account. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. So there you go, some guy going around pretending to be a woman. Um, mm. and uh, And that's that, so... Poor Sophie J. Yeah. Um, I wonder what happened to Jer. I I bet you any money that Sophie J in his correct <laughs> guise or, or correct iteration or, or whatever um, yeah. is still playing a role in the FIFA community now. And nobody knows who he is. Yeah, but the legends say that yeah. a full move. <laughs> All I'm saying is... Seen. Roaming the field. Has anyone ever seen me and Sophie J in the same room? <laughs> um, no, I, I am not Sophie J, but I do think that Sophie J is out there and uh, <laughs> is familiar with a lot of people. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's a, that's a thing that happened. That I mean, that that that's definitely a person that was having some kind of weird identity issues, right? And assumed another uh, like role for the I guess yeah online. yeah um it, I I guess I don't know like it's not for me to try and figure out what went on there but I, I can't help myself but think like what 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 brings someone to do that like it might have been a genius marketing idea to just think like this community this FIFA community is young it's growing uh one thing when it comes to gaming and football and football and gaming being combined into one thing that will be popular is a woman right so yeah just, Go ahead and slot in there. I, I don't know. I don't but just know. don't take a photo of yourself. Yeah. <laughs> and then upload it. <laughs> yeah, and then just delete it and all traces of it. 
but um yeah 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 that was such I, a I, I, I've had instances where like obviously I didn't do anything like that but you know you like just do something so stupid and you're like holy shit like and then like you you find a way out of it mm. like like you said there imagine you said oh yeah that was just my brother um or whatever uh, or that was my boyfriend or I didn't want to be on camera I didn't have any makeup on like come on like something like that everyone would have bought you yeah, know what I mean yeah. but like it's so hard to think of those at the time, especially when you are Sophie J or Sophie J's equivalent. Yeah, but because just, you are guilty. Like you're. Like yeah, you, and you, you don't think anyone will believe guilty. you. Yeah, you think you've been rumbled and that's it. There's no getting out of it now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Royal rumble, even. <laughs> Royal rumble. <yeah. laughs> oh, man. You haven't lived because you just can't appreciate the Royal Rumble and therefore I am better than you and my tribe is better than your tribe. And believe it or not, I am jealous yeah like no i am like i don't doubt it like i i actually like if if you could like experience um watching royal rumble in a (laughs) yeah if you could experience life man i'm telling you you yeah yeah i'm just a voice on the internet yeah Yeah. i mean for all intents and purposes in an echoey internet room now that you've moved away that's all you are to me as well (laughs) (laughs) you're just a voice in an echoey internet room and that's all yeah yeah um, solipsism is the only rational philosophical stance is it solipsistic in here or is it just me <laughs> but yeah, yeah that's good banter <laughs> i'm gonna let I'm people partridge. That. <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah that's another uh, negative aspect of social media is that i've realized how many of my friends just do not have the same sense of humor as i do um it's just full of laughing emojis in 2002 uh, oh, gifts or what did you say imagers uh, Im- imager uh, stuff like it's like the, the way the internet works right like you know you, you go on imager and you see funny stuff and you like it and then about a year and a half later that picture goes viral on twitter and you're like oh wow there's, there's that thing and then about six or seven years later it's on facebook and you're yeah, always yeah. laughing at it and then eight years later, it gets into the <laughs> WhatsApp group with the lads. <laughs> Jesus. And it's just, it's because the lads don't use the internet. Like, they don't live on the internet. Like, they don't know, yeah. what, you know, you could make any one of a, a number of references to them that they would never understand, you know. Trump is president with the earth is round. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I read somewhere that Trump is actually president. Did you? Is that true? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no he's not really president uh hillary is but he's like a puppet there so hillary can like uh there's no end to the shenanigans i saw <laughs> this amazing tweet of some guy some some well-to-do dad tweeting a picture of him and his four-year-old and it was like i still tell her that hillary is president and that's, oh my god that's, that's, that's I, the, I read that too and the, the reply though that went viral is like, you're lying to a four-year-old <laughs> <laughs> i think he wasn't he asked a question at the end like what does that tell you about americans <laughs> that you're lying <laughs> to a child <laughs> i think ben shapiro had a really good retort to that as well ben shapiro is a badass though that's surprising. yeah um, life hey i tell I you like one he, thing um ben shapiro is probably going to appear on a a sam harris um either a live podcast or his actual podcast uh pretty soon um and that'll be interesting but another thing is that i was i was watching his uh one of his latest videos on the daily wire and he said that he was talking about hugh hefner and why he doesn't deserve to be eulogized which is uh, like there's a a totally fine argument to be made for that yeah 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 but he said that no man who watches pornography can respect women what about women who watch pornography? I wonder. 
That's a ridiculous argument. Isn't it? Yeah. I was really surprised. Uh, like, I, I think he qualified it after and he kind of said, he actually said, if you talk to any man, any man who embraces porn or anything like that can't truly respect a woman. But like, what about if you have sex with a woman? Can you respect her or women? Like, you know what I mean? Why is porn so different than role-playing during sex or whatever? You know what I mean? Or fantasizing during sex. Exactly, yeah. I, I like think that's, that's the, um, the religious element of him coming to the forefront, I guess. Yeah. But it's, it, it's just so naive and ignorant to be like, oh yeah, but what about the women who watch it? What about the women who, who partake in it? Um, you know what I mean? Mm. Like, you're basically just assuming how everybody perceives it just because that's the way you perceive it. Yeah. Yeah, I just don't respect anybody. That's yeah, exactly, regardless <laughs> of whether they're in porn. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Not, there's a great uh, Jim Jeffries joke where it's like, um, the, the reason I could, I could never be gay is just because I, I, I just could never fuck a man. I, yeah, I could yeah. never fuck anybody that I respect. <laughs> <laughs> oh god yeah i'd say that kills at live shows yeah but um, like it, it, yeah sex is is weird it's interesting it's, it is it's, weird it's, isn't it you just it's weird yeah the the psychological changes that occur in that like hour where you're having sex in relation to your partner is very interesting an hour eh got ourselves a stud over here <laughs> <laughs> I have family that listen, so I have so but, many jokes that I want to get out, and I can't. <laughs> but that takes into account the 59 minutes where I'm trying to get it up. No, the 59 minutes where you're crying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, that's when it's two hours. Oh, yeah, of course, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. 59 minutes trying to get it up, followed by a, a, a marathon tear session. But yeah, I just yeah. I I I um I don't respect it. Oh, I just want to make jokes that I can't make. This isn't fair. I, I want yeah. my family to stop listening to my podcast. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So. Just cut off their ears. That would be the best possible thing, I suppose. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh no. I probably shouldn't say it's about a patient, but uh, it was along <laughs> those lines. You can text it to me later with their details. <laughs> <laughs> I will. Yeah. Um, I will uh, not. <laughs> <okay>. <laughs> Should we? Uh, we leave it there. I think. We've, I think uh, so. I think we've yeah. done a, a good job here. Um, yeah, yeah. I think it sort of started off sort of slow, but it definitely picked up steam. Yeah, it's good to be back. Podcast. It is. Um, it is. I think it's. It there's like a muscle memory associated with it. Yeah, definitely. Well, I'm actually really surprised at how well I've spoken throughout this because I had two beers and usually I don't drink at all when it comes to podcasting because i'm just afraid that i'll even slightly slur my words but i've been pretty yeah. on point here and i hope that our listeners will respond to that by leaving a like <laughs> because that's that's what i use for sustenance is like, <laughs> yeah. just keep me alive uh, yeah. stay out super late tonight Picking apples, making pie Put a little something in our lemonade And take it with us, we're half awake In a fake empire We're half awake In a fake empire
Thank you very, very, very much. 